this is a message that I've entitled Tag on Mount Moriah. Now a lot of you guys know that tag would not be a game you want to play on a mountaintop for obvious reasons. First of all, there's nowhere to go. Second of all, if you go running off someplace, that might be the last place you run off to. So you don't want to play tag on a mountaintop, but these two actually did it. They played tag with God on Mount Moriah. And I have a feeling that Abraham's wife didn't know that this was going to happen. Just reading this story, I have a feeling that he kept it from her, probably. <laughs> but let's look at Genesis 22, 1 through 19. And the objective of the talk here today is that everyone can live a sacrificial life by following Abraham and Isaac's example from Genesis 22. And so we're gonna, I'm gonna share a point, then I'll read this, the verse, bring some application, share the next point, and just keep going down the down the ladder like like that. So. We're talking about how Abram's faith was tested, and we're talking about how Isaac submitted to his father and to the process. He trusted his father. So there's, there's a picture, there's a beautiful picture of God being a heavenly father and Jesus being the obedient son. So when you read this story of Abraham and Isaac, we can also see the heavenly father with Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful allegory. It's, a, it's an Old Testament pattern that we see repeated in the New Testament. And so I have a couple opening statements, a couple questions to ask you. What is the hardest sacrifice you ever had to make? What's the hardest sacrifice you ever had to make? For you moms, it was probably maybe giving up your job to stay at home with the kids or maybe for some of you dads, you're like, you know what? I don't really want to work this job, but we need the money. So I'm going to work this job because we need the, the cash right now. Or you take on an extra job. Or uh, maybe you had to admit you're wrong. And you know you were wrong, but you, your pride was keeping you from saying you're sorry. But sometimes it's a real big sacrifice. Even if you know that they were wrong about 9 out of the 10 things, the 1 out of 10 things they said was right. So just admit to the 1 and don't fight about the other 9. Right? And that's hard to do. Sometimes it's a sacrifice to be wrong, right? And yet, it's, it's how God, it's how Christ really uh, admonishes, admonishes us to live under submission to God. The same way that we see Isaac submitting to his father. I think about some of the toughest sacrifices I made, you know, just not only with my kids, or even with the church, you know? Leaving a mega church in, in Grand Junction to move to a city like Castle Rock where we didn't know anybody and start a church from scratch, preach the gospel, and hopefully people show up. Hopefully some money comes in. Hopefully we can get it to go. Right? And the church has been a sacrifice here and there, but it's also been a joy. It's also been a delight. You mothers know that kids can be a real pain in the neck, but at the same time you'll love them to death because they're yours. They belong to you. So I think that's how God feels about us. He loves us. And are we a pain in his neck? Probably. But he also loves us. So here's a couple questions. Have you ever waited a very long time for God to answer a prayer? Whatever your sacrifice might be, love compels us to make sacrifices. And God so loved the world, right, that he gave his one only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God loved us so much that he said, hey, Jesus, would you go down there? Would you teach them how to live? Would you heal their sick? Would you forgive their sins? Would you die for them? And if I give you the power to be raised from, to, to new life, would you show them that they can have eternal life? 
and I bet he blinked once. <laughs> I bet he thought about it. But then he said, okay, Father. Okay, Dad. If that's, if that's the only way, then that's what I'll do. And he said, son, I'm afraid that's the only way. All right, then. So Jesus did it. He said yes. And there is no other name. The Bible says there's no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If there was some other way, then we would just do that. Like, oh, just do some extra yoga, then you'll go to heaven. Eat clean. Then, you, then, you know, or do enough good deeds to outweigh your bad deeds and then somehow God will smile on you. No, 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 that's not how, that's not how it works. Jesus was the sacrifice. Jesus is the appropriation. Jesus is the atonement. And there's no other way. And that's really unpopular to say. I know it is. But you know what? I can't tell you, I, I can't preach a gospel that I just think off the top of my head. I have to preach you the real gospel. What the Bible actually says. And even if it's popular or unpopular. Paul says in season, out of season, preach the word. So I have to be faithful to what I truly believe about the Bible. And you shouldn't want me to preach anything else. If you want me to preach something else, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> That's all right. Can you hear a little better over there? Good. Well, you can always plug in your headphones to your phone and probably listen that way too, if that helps. <laughs> so good. So God may ask you to give up the very thing that you loved and hoped for the most. That's what we learned from this. Abraham was praying for years for a son. And he was longing for an heir. In fact, they tried to make it happen with Ishmael. And that was a mistake. <laughs> and then God gives them Isaac. And once he raises them up, he says, Abraham, you start to love that boy more than me. Do you love me or do you love that boy? That's what this story is all about. <laughs> so a life of faith is often a life of sacrifice. Where God's saying, will you put me first place? Will you put me first place in your time? Will you put me first place in your priorities, in your money, in how your talent and your passions are spent? Will you, will you give me first place? And if the answer to that is, no, I don't feel like it, then I'm not sure we can expect much from God. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You, you shall have no other gods before me. There, you know, you, he's, he's the one. He's the one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Herein lies all the law and the prophets. So it is a sacrifice. Is it fun to be a Christian when you're mocked or persecuted or beat up or some of your loved ones are killed? I've, I've posted on my social media the last couple of days in Africa, in Asia, in the Middle East, Christians in, in Hong Kong now. Christians are being slaughtered. They're being tortured. They're being sent to re-education camps for their faith, just because they believe like you and I believe. That's the only reason. We have to pray for our, our brothers and sisters everywhere that God's church will be strong, that they'll stand the test of, of faith. And it is a sacrifice to follow Jesus. It's not fun. Sometimes it's really hard. And yet, he doesn't give you a pass and go, okay, well, you just live for Buddha then. You know, that's fine. You can be an atheist. No, God doesn't give us an out. <laughs> wouldn't it, would, sometimes you think, oh, it wouldn't be nice if I didn't have to be a Christian today. Guess what? We don't take days off because God doesn't take a day off. 
He's always the Savior. He's always the Father. He never stops being our Father, and we never stop being His kids. That's <laughs> right. That's right. So Abraham is called the father of our faith because he believed God and it was credited to him as righteous. It doesn't say he was righteous. It says because he believed, God counted him righteous. So belief is what's required to, for acceptance with God. Not perfect performance, but simple believing faith. That's what Abraham shows us. The kingdom of God is all about a healthy relationship which is receiving and giving in a constant healthy flow. We've watched the change of seasons here in Colorado, right? Or winter passed and all the dead branches are gone and now new life is springing up and the mountains are exploding with wildflowers and the beauty of the season has hit us and we're like, wow, that was so dead just a few months ago. It looked like it was dead and was never coming back and now look at this, boom, here it is. My grapevine is starting to blo bloom again. It's starting to blossom again. Leaves are starting to come out. But it looked dead. For about four or five months it looked like I should just rip the vines out and just burn them in the fire and all of a sudden I see these little green leaves starting to pop out on the vine. Oh, it wasn't dead. It wasn't dead. It was just dormant. It was waiting for the, for the right season, for the correct season. And I want to say that to you online too if you're watching. Maybe you feel like you're dead. Can I tell you I don't think you're dead. I think maybe you're just dormant. I think maybe the church right now is dormant. I think a lot of Christians have been dormant in their faith. They've been intimidated. Don't, don't, let the, don't let that life die out of you. The life of Christ is still in you. The Holy Spirit is still inside of you. Let it begin to blossom. Let it begin to, to, to flourish and to bear fruit in your life. Begin to put God first place. And when you put Him first place, then things are going to start to line up. They're going to start to make sense. Your life is going to start, the purpose of your life is going to start to be, to be revealed to you. And you go, oh, this is why God put me here. This is why God gave me the spouse that I have. This is why I have these children that I have. This is why I have these, these giftings and these talents, these abilities, these possessions that I have. It's not for me just to spend on myself, but it's for me to be a blessing. It's for me to, to bring glory to God. It's so good. And so we've been in this theme throughout this whole year in 2020, and I'm still on it today, about take and give, or receiving and giving, this healthy cycle of life that we get with God, we, we receive and we give. Because after all, you can't give if God hasn't given you anything. But people realize, don't realize how much they've been given. That's part of the problem. That's why the Gratawood is so, such a powerful symbol for us as a church. Because if we can start to count our blessings and realize, wow, God, what have you put into my hands? Ooh, well, what I have, it's not much. But what I do have, I give to you. It's for your glory, to be a blessing to others. When I take the little, little becomes much when you place it in the Master's hands. And so... I'm going to read our, our theme for the teaching Tag 2020 this, this year. In unprecedented times when people are either all take, 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 or all give, 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 everyone today needs to learn the fine art of receiving and giving. All of God's creation is based on healthy forms of planting and harvest, sowing and reaping, early rains and latter rains. 
If we can learn to function in God's creation with a healthy biblical mindset of growth, frugality, faithfulness, stewardship, and doing the right work in the right times for the right reasons, then we can enjoy the most effective and fruitful life that God has planned for us for the rest of our lives, no matter how long or brief your life might be. After all, we're promised eternal life once we've received Christ. Oh, isn't it nice? We're getting a reprieve from the wind. Be still and know that I am God, right? I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted, right? Yeah. I don't want to jinx it. Thanks, Lord. Okay. Genesis 15, 6. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Abraham is a great example of a father's love. You know, next Sunday is Father's Day. Hint, hint, hint. All you fathers, give me a good amen. Next Sunday is Father's Day. However, today I'm going to focus mostly a lot on Isaac, the son, and his part in this incredible story. Everyone can live a sacrificial life by following Abraham and Isaac's examples in Genesis 22. So we're going to talk about seven examples in this passage about Abraham and Isaac's game of tag with God. All right? So here's the first example of taking and giving, giving and receiving, Abraham, first of all, number one, Abraham heard God and he obeyed. Not only did he hear him, he listened and then he obeyed. Now it's one thing to hear the word. Jesus said, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers also. He said, blessed are you who hear my words, but even more blessed are you if you do them. Hear the word, do the word. Monkey see, monkey do, everybody. Right? Simon says, read your Bible. Jesus says, read your Bible. Amen. Jesus says, be loving and giving. Jesus says, trust me. Jesus says, share the gospel with people who haven't heard yet. Jesus says, give tithes and offerings. Jesus says, take care of the poor. Right? More important than Simon. <laughs> right? He's the one who makes all those calls. And so, picking up in verse 1, Genesis 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. <laughs> what? This is, this is the boy you gave me, God. The next... The, can you imagine? He probably didn't sleep at all. Like, this cannot be God. This is like a delusion. This is... This can't be God. And yet, he has this sinking feeling that God is probably saying this and testing him. So verse 3, next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took his two servants with him, along with his son Isaac, and he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering, and he set out for the place that God had told him about. Whew! He heard, and he obeyed, when it's really hard. So example number two, Abraham had faith in God. In fact, I could almost phrase it this way. Abraham had, the, had faith in the character of God. 
He didn't question God's character. He didn't question God's motives. He didn't question whether God was good or not. He didn't question whether God was kind or not. He didn't question whether God knew what he was doing. Abraham had faith in God. Verse 4. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. And we will worship there and then we'll come right back. See? He believed it was probably a test or he was trying to throw the servants off the trail. One way or the other, he was going to obey God. And he, he kind of knew. He had, a, he had an idea in his head that this might be God testing him. So, what are some possible thoughts that Abram had in this moment? I think maybe, this is all speculation, this is not in the text, this is me, this is Pastor Wayne just thinking out loud, okay? I think maybe he thought, well maybe God could kill me instead of the boy. You know, maybe, maybe one of us are, are not going to come down from this mountain, but it ain't going to be, this boy's coming down, maybe I'm supposed to die instead of him. That's okay. Right? How, many, how many parents would rather take the bullet and let your child live, right? I bet he was thinking that. There's two going up, probably only one coming down. And I hope it's me and not him. I bet he was thinking that. Expecting the worst <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then, I think he also thought this, maybe God will change his mind. I hear God talk to me all the time. Maybe on the way up the, up the hill, he'll go, it's okay, Abraham, now I know. And maybe he'll change his mind somewhere on the way up. I know this God. He's a good God. He's blessed me for a long time. He gave me this boy. He's not going to let me down now. Maybe he'll change his mind. And then he probably thought, maybe this is a test. And maybe there's something very important about God, what God is asking me to do. This is a test, maybe, I hope. And what's about to happen is probably very important. Like maybe just as important as me as, as leaving the Ur of the Chaldees. Maybe just as important as me rescuing my nephew Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah. Maybe just as important as me asking for forgiveness for birthing an Ishmael. Because he, he'd made a lot of mistakes and he'd done a lot of things and a lot of important milestones had already happened in his life. And he's going, this is probably a milestone moment in my life. If it's not the end of my life. So Abraham had faith in God. He heard God. He listened to God. He obeyed. Example number three. Now I want to focus on Isaac for a second. Isaac carried the very thing that would kill him up the mountain. They put wood on his back and he carried the wood up the hill. Just like Jesus carried the wood of the cross up Mount Calvary, up Golgotha, the place of the skull that the Romans called the place of the skull, the place of death. Just as Isaac carried the wood up the mountain, Jesus carried the wood of the cross up Mount Calvary. Isn't that a beautiful picture? So verse 6, so Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders and while he carried him, he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them walked on together. Isaac's a great foreshadowing of Christ. Example number four, Isaac and Jesus put their total trust in their father. Total trust. This verse continues in verse 7. It says, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, 
Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have a fire in the wood, the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. Now, if that had been me, and my dad said, yeah, we're going up in the mountain, God will provide a sheep. I'm like, uh, where? I've been to these mountains before. There's no sheep just hanging out on top. I'd be like, Dad, I have a couple questions. <laughs> Not Isaac. He's like, okay, Dad, if you say so. God will provide a sheep. I've never seen anything like that before, but okay. You say so. All right. No questions. Whatever. Whatever you say goes, Dad. I trust you. If you say it's good, it's good. That's how what we ought to be with our Heavenly Father. God doesn't make sense. This is, this is crazy. All right. All right. You say so? You say so. Okay. Dad, Father, I trust you. I trust you. <laughs> Romans 5.5. 5. Actually, let's, uh, the truth. here's the truth. We believers know that we can trust God and He won't disappoint us because of the presence of His Holy Spirit. Now, we, we New Testament Christians have an advantage. We have the Holy Spirit that's been given by God and, and uh, the Father and the Son. They sent the Holy Spirit. It's, the, it's really how we commune with God now as New Testament believers. We have that advantage. And so Romans 5.5 5 says, And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know dearly how dearly loved God, God loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. So how, how can we trust God when none of it makes sense? Or even the times we're living in right now and we see the climate of politics and we see what's going on with coronavirus, we see what's happening around the world, and we're like, this is crazy. I can't believe what's happening. God, where are you? If we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we go, I put my hope in God. I know He won't disappoint me. How do I know that? Because His Holy Spirit's inside of me. Because I have His Holy Spirit. And His, His Holy Spirit gives me peace. His Holy Spirit gives me a, a, an understanding, a joy that's unspeakable. It gives me a, a constant comfort knowing that no matter what happens, I belong to Him. And He belongs to me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Whom shall I fear, right? Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is a stronghold of my life, right? All those things. I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting a lot of scriptures, trying to put a lot of scriptures in here. So example number five, Abraham obeyed God completely. And just like Jesus, Isaac didn't even say a single word to defend himself. Now, to me, that's really crazy because a lot of us will do, will kind of do God's commands partway. Like, I, I'll, I'll kind of serve God if it's convenient. I'll take the, the teachings of the Bible that I like and I'll leave the parts I don't like. Right? I, I, I ascribe to Christianity as maybe a worldview, but I, I'm not sure I buy into all this Jesus business and all this God being the Lord of your life and having to do everything He tells you to do. You know what they call that? They call that nominal Christianity. Yeah, you're giving lip service to it, but you're not, re you're not really a Christian. You're just saying words that actually don't mean anything. <laughs> Hey, your words have to have actions, right? And we're seeing now in the climate that we're living what real Christians look like versus fake Christians. 
We really are. People who just want to give lip service to God, they're kind of giving up on it now. They're like, eh, uh, this is too hard. I can't be one of those people. Yeah, well, maybe you never were one. <laughs> maybe you never were one. <laughs> right? Ooh, that might sound harsh. You're like, oh, Pastor, that doesn't sound very loving. No, it, the most loving thing I can tell you right now is the truth. Get on, pick a team, everybody. You got to figure out who you're going to serve, God or, or the world. You're going to serve yourself? You're going to serve Jesus. Where are your priorities? So, Abraham obeyed God completely. He did everything God said to the very, to the bitter end. And Isaac didn't speak a word in his defense, just like Jesus. When he was going to be crucified, he didn't say anything in his own defense. Genesis 22.9 says, When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. And he tied his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham! Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Woo, thank God. That was an inter interruption he didn't mind. He was probably just like, oh, I, if, if a bird chirps, Right? If I hear a twig snap, like anything to keep me from plunging the knife. And yet, those of you who are hunters or fishermen, or if you've ever had to kill an animal for food, you know you want the death to be quick and painless. So you don't want to have to strike twice. You don't want to have to shoot twice. So Abraham is thinking, I'm going to make this count. I'm going to make it painless. So he was, when he was doing this, he was about ready to make it fast. So thank God that God intervened. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. It's interesting. Technically, Abraham had another son named Ishmael, but he, he wasn't living in the house anymore. He had abandoned that son. And that's a point of contention between Arabs and Jews today. In fact, the Quran rewrites this story and puts Ishmael on Mount Moriah and Isaac back at the camp. They rewrote the story because they said the Jews were lying. I don't know about all that. I, I know which Bible is older. <laughs> so we need to pray for our, our Arab and Jewish brothers that God will begin to reveal the truth and love because it's institutional racism between those two people groups. And I think maybe it's the Christian's job to bring peace. Maybe that's why we Christians are in the Middle East trying to bring reconciliation to the Palestinians and the Jews. And they've talked about two-state solutions for a long time, but you know what I think Israel needs? I think it needs a single-state solution, and they need to get along. They need to learn how to reconcile themselves and stop hating each other just because they're from a different race. That's another sermon altogether, probably. But, you know, Jesus, there's an Old Testament example of the foreshadowing that Jesus told Nicodemus in the middle of the night on the top of this rooftop patio. You know, Jerusalem is a hot place. It's a lot like Phoenix in some ways. You know, sunshiny all day long, right on the edge of a desert. And so a lot of those homes, those old adobe homes back in the day, they didn't have air conditioning. They have very thick stone or adobe walls to keep them cool in the daytime. And then at night, when the sun goes down, everything will cool off by 20 or 30 degrees. People will go out on top of their rooftops to cool off and watch the sunset. Maybe cook something on a charcoal fire. 
So terraces and rooftops are a big deal in Jerusalem. Still are. People love to, to sit out on the terrace and watch the sunrise or sunset. And then when it gets hot, they go indoors. But Jesus was having this conversation on Nicodemus's terrace, on his rooftop, probably on his back patio somewhere in Jerusalem. He has this conversation. And he says this, John 3, 14 through 17, And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son. What did you say? Abraham, you didn't spare your one and only Son. Jesus says, God the Father has sent his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. That's the gospel. God so loved the world that he sent his Son. Who is his Son? Well, it's not just you and I. It's not just Isaac. It's Jesus Christ himself. God's very Son. And so many people have said, Oh, Jesus was a nice guy. He's a great prophet. Maybe a good rabbi. Ah, son of God. I don't know. But you know the reason why people say that? Because they refuse to see. There are none so blind as those who refuse to see. It's a spiritual blindness. We need to pray that God lifts the blindness off of people's eyes, that they can see Jesus for who he truly is. Our study continues here in verse 13. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its thorns in a thicket. So he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in a place of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, or in the old Germanic English, Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use the name, this name is a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Example number seven. Because of this father's son's obedience, God has blessed and is blessing all the nations of the earth. Because Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants, God has blessed the nations of the earth and is blessing the nations of the earth. Genesis 22, verse 15 through 19. And then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you've obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. And then they returned to the servants and traveled back to Beersheba, where Abraham continued to live. You know what's interesting is that Beersheba today is like the Silicon Valley of Israel. All the tech startups are, in the, are south of Tel Aviv, right on the edge of the Sinai Desert. It's where all these app companies and web developers and all these high-tech people, and it's where a lot of Gentiles are doing business with Jewish people in tech startups. It's also the same place where Abraham made a covenant with Abimelech and sold him seven lambs. And it's a symbol of Jewish and Gentile commerce, of friendliness between Jews and Gentiles. I think that's kind of interesting. And that's where Abraham settled for a very long time in Beersheba. 
So here's a few questions for you today as I wrap it up. What, what could God be asking you to sacrifice? Hey everybody in Facebook Live, if you're still watching, can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, I didn't forget about you. What could God be asking you to sacrifice? What, he, what, what may He give you in return for your faithful obedience? I'd say to tell you the first step is to ask yourself this question. Have you surrendered your life to God? Have you given your life to God? The sacrifice of Jesus has made for us to be in right relationship with God. That's what the Heavenly Father gave all of us. It's not just for Jewish people. It's for the whole world. And that sacrifice, once for all time, was given. And all you're required to do is simply believe. To say, okay, God, I believe. Come in. I receive the atoning sacrifice of Christ for my sins. And when you do that, when you truly do that, when you make that exchange with God, when you play that game of, of tag, take and give with God, I give my little, it becomes much, He gives me all of heaven and all the relationship, all the richness of knowing God through Jesus. When, when that happens, your whole life starts to change. How you see the world changes. What you want to do changes. How you spend your money changes. How you spend your time changes. The friends you keep changes. Your lifestyle changes. Everything changes. And sometimes it's slow, sometimes it's quick, but it changes. Right, right, because he begins, he begins to change your want to. <laughs> he begins, begins to, to shift your heart. He takes your heart of stone and turns it into a heart of flesh. Amen. And gives you a, a desire to know and to love and to serve God, to glorify God. To let his light shine through you. Thankfully, the, the wind is low right now. If you're, some of you are still watching. I'm glad you are. If you stuck out, stuck with us this long, we're probably all ready to make some commitments today. Let's say, okay, Lord, there's been areas that I have been withholding from you that I want to surrender. For Abraham, it was Isaac. He started loving that boy more than he loved God. He said, okay, God, no, I do love you more. I will obey you even when it's hard. Maybe it's an area of your time, you know? He's like, my time is my time. God can't tell me what to do. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> Does he put breath in your lungs? No, then your time really isn't your time. Well, I have my talents and I get to use them for whatever I want. No, no. no. <laughs> well, who gave you the gifts to do what you could do? <laughs> right? So glorify God with your talent, right? And then also with your money. Oh, my money's my money. God can't have my money. Oh, this is my money. No, no. Who gets all that money when you're dead? Somebody else, right? So you're just, this money, these possessions, just on loan, just on loan. None of us get to hold it forever. So we're stewards of our possessions. We're stewards of the money. What are you gonna do with the money and the possessions that you have? Does God, does God get a say in it? Well, give him first fruits, give him offerings, give him tithes, give, give him and show him that you value him with how you spend your money, not just in giving, and, but how you spend them, spend the rest of the 90% that you get to spend in a discretionary way. Don't waste it. And certainly, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, there's no time like the present to do that. I think uh, these times we're living in feels like a little bit like the apocalypse to a lot of people. Like, uh, I never thought this would happen. 
this sounds like this is like an end of days kind of situation like I'm just waiting for the aliens to land you know and for Will Smith to punch an alien in the face like anything could happen at this point you know Bruce, seriously that'd be we never thought this stuff I thought we already had a civil rights movement turns out we're having another one okay all right the same exact one well good I'm glad we're reaffirming the, the lessons we learned in the first civil rights movement that's good we believe those things yes Let's not judge people by the color of their skin, but by, skin by, by the content of their character. Yes and amen to all of that. Police brutality is an evil thing. We do not condone it. Right? But for us Christians, Republican, Democrat, or otherwise, love has to be the highest value. Not your politics, not how you vote, not your favorite politician. There's only one rock star, and it's Jesus. <laughs> sorry, sorry Trump, sorry Biden. There's only one Lord. His name is Jesus. There's only one that we're going to bow to. His name is Jesus. And I love my flag, but I'm not going to bow down and worship my flag. I'm going to worship my Jesus. And I hope our country sees the distinction, sees the difference. We don't bow to a cause, but we bow to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And uh, so, might be time to pray that prayer and wrap this thing up. I feel the Holy Spirit. <laughs> if you'd like to give your life to Jesus, would you just pray the simple prayer of sorry, thank you, please? If you're feeling like there's some sacrifices in your life that God wants you to make that you haven't been making but you're going to start, give me a thumbs up on Facebook Live. Comment. Comment your spiritual response there. If you're here in in the park you say there's some sacrifices I need to start making just slip your hand up say that's me yeah my hand is up my hand is up well, let's pray the prayer of salvation for those who might be praying it for the first time say dear Jesus sorry for my sins thank you for dying on the cross for me I believe God raised you from the dead please come into my heart be my Savior be my Lord Jesus name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com and click the online giving link or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.